Hi, everyone, and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's right. We've learned people want to think more creatively, and they seem to always benefit from our weekly shows. What are we discussing today? Well, we were thinking because of... It's Holy Week celebrated around the world. We might discuss spirituality and creativity. Yeah, this would be good. I suspect that most creative people give some credit for their talents to the spiritual guidance. Mm-hmm. And that could be rather be from the inside or maybe the outside. Yeah, or it could also be a mentor, but they're not always teachers. I've always had the impression that personally that creativity flows from within us somewhere. Where do you think that comes from? You know, I I think it comes from multiple channels within you. It comes from your soul when you're first conceived and then born. It comes from a sum of your experiences as life. It comes from maybe some of the not so good experiences too. That it, like it comes from your whole essence, really. So where do you think this comes from, Rod? Well, as you touched on lightly, I I really think we're born with it. Yeah. You know, everything that happens after you're born, you know, you learn to walk, you learn to talk, is all forming your thoughts and your ideas and your opinions. But if you're lucky enough to remember or kind of tune back into that spirit that was within you at your your youngest age, yes, you can you can really you can really learn a lot from that. Absolutely. I think it's time for us to use the quote, the oh, quote yeah. that both you and I discovered recently. Oh yeah. I... So why don't you share it with our listeners? Okay. okay, here is our quote for this week: Color is the keyboard, the eyes are the harmonies, the soul is the piano with many strings. The artist is the hand that plays, touching one key or another to cause vibrations in the soul. And that is by Kandinsky, Wassily Kandinsky. That's another one of those quotes that has variable meanings to different people. Yeah. So what do you think about this quote, Rod? I think you should read it again. Okay. I can read that again. Okay. The color is the keyboard. The eyes are the harmonies. The soul is the piano with many strings. The artist is the hand that plays, touching one key or another to cause vibrations in the soul. I probably gravitate to the color because I love color. I work with color. Color is my most creative asset from my point of view. So I probably zero in on the color. Mm -hmm. And you? Well, you know, for me, I, I really love music and I see how... It can be incorporated into the visual arts as well. So I, I, I take it a different layer where the music is definitely influencing the creativity and the visual arts. There's a lot of layers to that quote. I think it's going to it mean is. different things to different people. Mm-hmm. And the more you read it, the more you're going to find uh, that it, the information that it's sharing with you becomes more and more profound. Sure. And, I, and I have to say, we're fortunate enough to own Kandinsky's book, The Spirit in Art, Abstract Painting. I freely admit this is not light reading. 
Yeah, it is not light reading. And it is like just the title it says, the spiritual and art abstract painting. It is very abstract, very philosophical, inspirational, and spiritual all in one. It's kind of like an origami of of books where you've got uh, so many different layers and so many different aspects of the book. And the book is a large book. It's 11 by 11 inches and about two inches thick. And it doesn't, you don't have to be a painter to appreciate what's written in it. Yeah, it's a square format, which is kind of unusual for a book. And there's certainly lots of paintings in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you were saying when we were talking that there are so many takeaways (laughs) if you have a chance to read the book. The takeaways, you're going to have to look at this book and read this book, but it's not going to be something that you're going to go through in any short time. It's one of these books that you go back to time Mm -hmm. and time again. You refer to it. And there's a lot of information there. Like Angie said, it's not always just directed towards painters or especially abstract painters. Yeah, no. As you mentioned, it's it's a lot of philosophy in it. And that philosophy can resonate with just about anybody and anything that they're doing creatively. Right, right. And then, you know, when you read this book, it's not like reading a novel. I don't think you just proceed to read like a whole chapter. It, I think you really need to take it sometimes paragraph by paragraph and really ponder and really think about it. So you maybe can understand the essence. And sometimes it takes a couple of days of just really focusing on that page or that paragraph or even a sentence sometimes where you can really get the resonance of it. It's a spiritual book. I mean, it's it's more more spiritual in and the information that he's sharing. And if you're lucky enough to find a copy, it's a book that's well worth having in your library. Agree, agree. They're difficult to find. I was going to say this morning, you were kind of looking just to see because we were looking at our copy. And I think that we were noticing online that the copies available were around $250 now, which is a little shocking. But yeah, you have to do some research. Mm-hmm. Research. There might be other places, but this was just taking a quick glance online about it. And my question for today is, does anyone really know what the spirit of creativity is? Yeah, I, I want to think, is it is it like an apparition <laughs> that visits uh, a lucky few at three o'clock in the morning? You, you'll wake up at three o'clock and go out on the dining room table and write out things sometimes longhand and sometimes on your um, iPad. I know you do that. Yeah, and I don't exactly know why. And it's almost like clockwork. I mean, I can actually look at the time and it's like one minute to three, which gives me enough time to get to someplace where I write. Mm-hmm. I don't keep a uh, a notepad or my mobile phone in the nightstand. I don't like having that distraction when I'm sleeping. No. But I have to say, I did Google what that means, you, you know, did. about people that get up at three o'clock in the morning and where they have a creative idea and they have to go sit down and write it out. Right. So do tell. I do love it when you Google all sorts of things. It's it's kind of Well, fun as to I discovered, you. there are different times that people get their best creative ideas. And actually it could be three o'clock in the afternoon. Mine happens to be in the middle of night. And when I've talked to other people, they'll often say, oh yeah, I know what you mean. I I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I had this great Mm -hmm. idea and I just had to write it down because I knew I'd forget it. Mm -hmm. And 
for the most part, you can forget them. They always say I that do. if it's really solid, you will remember it. It will stick. But in my case, it's 50-50. I, I lean towards writing it down because I don't want to lose it. Yeah. Well, you're lucky because you do get up and do it. I don't get up and I wish I do would and did because I think that a lot of times those great ideas that you have when the airwaves are clean and you're kind of in a kind of a hypnotic state where you're dreaming and you're half awake and half that's when the real creative juices start flowing and I think that if you don't get up you forget and by the time you get up in the morning and you're going about your day, you've totally forgotten. True. And I have to freely admit that I have written ideas down at three o'clock in the morning only to discover at 730 that that wasn't such a red hot idea after all. <laughs> it sounded good at the time. <laughs> it sounded great at the time. Okay. Well, I know that when we were looking up different things, I, I went to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And I, can you imagine that according to Merriam-Webster, this kind of floored me, the first known use of the word creative was in 1875. Makes you wonder what people were using in place of it. Yeah, what did you say? Oh, you're being blank. I mean, what word do you use? Well, there certainly were books written by artists prior to 1875, and I'm sure they had yeah. their own vocabulary, their nomenclature, whatever they were saying to denote maybe the word originality was really popular back then. We never looked that one up, mm -hmm. but I was kind of shocked on that word creative because that word is bantered about a lot. Well, nowadays it's pretty freely used for all kinds of things that may not be creative, but they, you know. Yeah. How would you describe Leonardo da Vinci? How well, would you describe him? Would you use the word creative? No. In fact, we, when I was looking up words, imagination, which I equate that with Leonardo da Vinci, that was first used in the 14th century. So that's another word that you just go, but I, I, that was around when he was around. But really, creative would be really Leonardo da Vinci. Well, it goes back to Egypt, yeah, Rome, yeah, the great sculpture work that was done. And the I, Greeks. The Greeks. I yes. mean, everybody walked around and said, gee, that's really kind of cool. Did they use that word? No, they didn't have that either. <laughs> no, <I laughs> they guess. had limited vocabulary. They had limited vocabulary, but everybody visually appreciated that. And I suspect that had a lot to do with their own inner spirit. Spiritually, they connected right. with those pieces of art. They didn't necessarily need vocabulary. Mm -hmm. They didn't discuss it, maybe using words, but they said, I feel this when I look at that piece of art. And isn't feelings a lot? To do with how you feel spiritually? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they may have had other words that meant something else at the time that, because, you know, with our modern society, we look at certain words much differently than they did even back in the 30s and 40s. Um, when you watch old movies, certain words meant yeah, they different use, things. Yeah, they use terms that today that we don't use mean, anymore. So maybe they had a different term that we're not familiar with at the time. That's probably the case. Yeah. But I'm not going to go back and research it. No, me neither. That was the end of the research <laughs> yeah, sure. as we know it. So, so, well, that leads us to the next question. Yes. 
you may ask yourself, what is art? We had a chat about this the other day, standing at my easel, remember? Yeah. And yeah. you were telling me because I was having a moment where I was feeling just I don't, I don't want to say frustration, but it was like, you know, oh, do, do I need to add something? You just, you feel like this uncertainty. And that's when you turned to me and you, you said, well, what is, you know, what is art? Why? It's for one person, this is art for another person. It's not art. It's like, it's very subjective and very personal and it's not necessarily definable. Well, I always wonder who deemed that one particular person can tell another person that their artwork is not art. I guess you kind of refer to them as art critics sometimes. sometimes. Although there are, there are art critics out there that are really have solid justifications they for do. their comments. Agree. But for the most part, if you show a piece of your art to Aunt Lucy, mm -hmm. then she doesn't know anything about art. But she said, oh, I like it, but mm -hmm. I hate the color green. Um, yeah. that's an opinion and it'd be interesting to know how she developed or how she came up with that opinion. But art is, like you said, it's very subjective. So subjective and uh, also preferential. Like you, if you like more representational art, you're, you're not going to get into abstract art. It's just not your thing. Well, it's the same with literature and music. True. Uh, I may like Beethoven. You may like Chopin or you may like reading mm -hmm. Edgar Allan Poe. Which I know you don't. Not not all the time, no. Occasionally. Occasionally. When you're in the mood for it. Exactly. And I know you have certain feelings inside when you create art, right? I equate that to having a spiritual feeling inside that you can, you know, express in our world. I don't always know where that comes from, but I feel it. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have feelings, feelings are more often associated with spiritual feelings. Truth. You can have a feeling about what you want to eat for breakfast, but I wouldn't call that necessarily spiritual, but you can have a real sense that you want to express yourself in a, in a writing poetry mm -hmm. or painting. And it just seems to flow through you. And I have to think that you're being influenced spiritually and not necessarily by something you just saw or read or heard. Well, I mean, I think you're going to be influenced even if you don't want to be. Sometimes with the various things you see on the news or something that happened to you when you're driving down the road. So you're going to be influenced no matter what. And this is where this is where social media, I think, can be a little bit of a problem. So, well, I think you were going to ask me. I hate it about what people inspires me. You usually ask me, well, what inspired you? Well, and yeah, I always, what inspired you, Rod? Yeah, well, I, I always come back with the same answer, but actually, you know what I, my answer is, especially to this date. But I hate it when people ask me, what inspires you? I do my best. I know you don't like uh, it. I, I do my best to go outside. I never try to go outside, I should say, my own soulful thinking when I'm creating and it's difficult because you're exposed to so many images, like you were just saying about mm -hmm. social media. But I look to myself and I don't like to be inspired by anything outside of my own imagination or maybe what the uh, spiritual world is serving up to me. I try to follow that course in everything I do creatively. Is it always successful? No. Sometimes it's 
very rare that it's super successful, but I can say it's truly original to me and that I didn't pick this up because I watched a butterfly land on a flower. Right. No, I know. And this is, you know, it ties into what I actually, um, I wanted to bring up about social media, which is we see so many images that I don't know that it's a good thing sometimes because it, it makes you confused and it makes your airwaves clogged and you are, every image you see, your brain remembers it. So you are going to have it come out maybe in something that you're writing or something that you're doing, painting or sculpting wise. It is going to come out. It's very difficult to edit it out, like, you know, cutting it out with a pair of scissors. You can't. Well, it's often said that we only use 10% of our brain and it's probably a good idea that our brains have a lot of capacity yeah. because we get inundated, especially on social media and especially on Instagram. Right. And especially if you're any kind of creative person, that's where you generally showcase your work. Well, in order you do, for you to showcase your work, you have to be polite, understandably so. Mm-hmm. And you like other people's work. Well, in order to like other people's work, you have to look at it. You have to see it. Right. And, you know, and you want to be supportive to your friends and, you know, and the people, you know, on social media. So it's really hard to not look at it as much as maybe you want to. But, uh, you know, I don't think you can really immerse yourself in any form of creativity unless you're just you're connecting to your spiritual side. One would hope. I mean, I, I happen to think that that's probably the case because yes, you could look at somebody else's artwork and you can, or you can hear somebody's piece of music and it gives you an idea. Oh, maybe I can build on that or I can change it slightly and make it my own. It doesn't necessarily mean that people are outright copying other people's work. I mean, I know yeah. it does happen and we see it. In fact, there's a, there's a book Sometimes. out there that is, call what great artists steal. I hate that book. I hate the whole idea of that because great artists don't steal. They let their creativity come through their spiritual side. And that's what makes it unique to them. That's kind of where I would go with yeah. it. Well, I mean, you know, I think that people, when they talk about that, I'm, I'm going to take it a different route because I don't, I know there's a few out there that feel that they need to, pretty much copy somebody else's work. And I think that's a sad commentary because if you're that talented to copy, it's like you could be so much more and don't steal, just take it the next level. Don't take other people's work. That's ridiculous. You're just as creative, put on your painting clothes and get out there (laughs) and do it. You don't have to steal. You just, they can inspire you, but take it to the next level. Be more creative be more innovative. Don't copy. It makes me always wonder about the people that duplicate paintings and then they go to auction and oh, it's really it. a forgery. Those people that paint or the forgerers that paint those paintings, they've got to be pretty doggone talented so to talented. begin with. It'd be curious to know if when they're not forging, are they busily creating their own work and trying to sell it? Uh, there's probably more money in forgery, I hate to say. Probably. I don't think that anybody should be doing that. I'm not suggesting no, that's a good idea. But that's what they get into it for. Yeah, money. but I mean, yeah. they're talented. They're extremely talented. To knock off a Rembrandt, you really have to really understand what you're doing. True. Again, so talented. It's like, take it a different direction. Don't go there. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could tune into the spiritual world, the spiritual side of your thoughts when it's time for you to create? And if you could just do that at will whenever you want. Uh, that would be cool. You could just like dial it in like a radio and that gets back to creative ideas. Sometimes they seem to come out of nowhere and they don't always show up when you're in the mood to create, which is so frustrating. Yeah. When you're, when you're desperately trying to come up with a good creative idea, yeah. no matter what your discipline is, let's say you're a chef and you want to come up, you want to create a new dish uh, you're a chef at a restaurant yeah. and, and everybody's saying, come up with something new and interesting. And then you sit there and you're racking your brain, as people say, trying to come up with something special and you just can't do it. And then if you're lucky like me at three o'clock in the morning, you have a brilliant idea <laughs> on how to make the perfect dish that will satisfy all your customers the following day, knowing darn well that you have to get up at four o'clock to go into the restaurant and start the day's preparations. Yeah, you might be a little tired at that point, right? Yeah, but you got a creative idea. Yeah. Lucky, I think. Lucky is the person who can tune in wherever they need, whenever they need help the most. Oh, so true on that one. But again, it's like dialing it in. How do you summon the eternal muse to come to you when you need them on demand? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> now, it seems that's when it happens the most. If you... Practice the idea that you're going to get creative ideas and that you're not so concerned about where they're coming from and you tune into the spiritual world and you keep that channel open, you'd be amazed at how these really interesting ideas just pop into your head. I think if you read about artists or, or really creative, intelligent people, they all say the same thing. I don't know where that came from. It just appeared. Yeah. So it's just being blank and letting letting that kind of emanate from your brain and your heart and your soul. Maybe that's really what it's about. But I know that for spring, this seems to be a good time of the year to think about inspirations we see receive from our inner soul. Yes, and it's spring, and we all know what spring means. It's a time for rebirth and renewal, and what else? In love. Oh, yeah, love. That's when all the animals are falling in love and courting each other, like our two ravens that come by, and they're canoodling and kissing and, you know, sitting by the birdbath, although they're huge. Mm -hmm. And they, when they sit on the birdbath, I'm like, I don't know that it's going to hold you because you two are gigantic. But they're just so sweet and so kind to each other and so loving. That always lets us know that it's springtime, though, when we see uh, all the animals come out. They're, they seem to be the most active. Mm -hmm. they're, they're more active. And then all of a sudden we see the flowers start to appear. Yeah, slowly but surely. Um, the snow goes away because we live in the mountains. Uh, this year has been kind of interesting because we've gotten some pretty big snowstorms that uh, the snow didn't melt for a long time. And um, now that we see the daffodils blooming and soon it will be tulip time, we'll see all those beautiful yellow flowers coming up that I look forward to every year and um, enjoy them. Hopefully we won't get another snowstorm that will break them all in the meantime. So... We'll just, we'll just enjoy our spring. You know, I would, I know Angie would too. We'd really lo love to know what you think about 
spiritual inspiration and how it has affected your creativity, no matter what you do. If you're a, a composer or a chef, uh, a writer, do you tune into the spiritual side of your soul thinking mm -hmm. to create? Mm -hmm. Or if you're a writer, composer, artist, dancer, or really any creative person, I imagine that you've probably already found your spirit guide and you know how to access your spirit guide. And uh, yeah. Chatting about spirituality and creativity can go in many directions. I know it will trigger further discussion and thoughts for everyone. Yes. Don't you? And this is one of those subjects where there's always plenty of questions and sometimes not so many answers. No, if you find the perfect answer, let us know. Because I know this is something that Angie and I think about quite a bit. We, we want to know, or we try to know where we get these inspirations from, especially the ones that just pop into your head mm -hmm. and you go, wow, where did that come from? Yes. And this is one of those subjects where there's always plenty of questions, like I said before, but I think we've come to the end of our show for today. Yeah, darn it. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that you and I could chat about this for quite some yeah, time. we can. And I know we need to wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. So um, I just want to remind everyone before we leave today, if you want to have a screensaver of the Kandinsky quote, I will put it up on our thoughtrowpodcast.com website so you can download it and put it as a screensaver and enjoy it until next week when I will put up another with our quote. Excellent. Thank you, everyone, for listening and being with us today. Yes, and please remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. <laughs>